Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And today we're talking about minute 110 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Today's minute is going to start with Mara talking to Aquaman about Queen Atlanta. And then that minute is going to end with one of my favorite shots in this entire movie. Both, uh, you know, not just Zack Snyder's Justice League, but in the trailers. Anytime I ever saw anything about Cyborg, it's the shot of Cyborg standing right outside or yeah, right next to the window staring outward. And it's all busted. It's all damaged. And he's looking up towards the sky uh, because the parademon has taken Silas Stone and... It's one of the best shots. I just got to put that out there immediately. Um, it's a really good shot. It's it's one of my favorite. I think it's one of the best shots in the entire movie just because of the energy that it has that some, you know, badass stuff is about to happen. And it's, it's, it's dark, but it's not too dark. And it just looks like a really badass comic book movie shot. So, uh but we'll get more into that cyborg stuff. Let's let's wrap up with Mara and Aquaman. So, uh, real quick, there's there's something I I've been thinking about the more I kind of watch this scene over and over, both the other version and this version, and it's the way uh, it's the way Amber Heard is is saying the lines that I think I found out that maybe it's not her. But maybe it's it's the lines that are giving her trouble on how to deliver it. Uh, she says here, "But you're not a defenseless child now. Um, if you're if it was your mother, your mother would have followed that monster to the surface and stopped him. And now that job is yours. Uh, and like, there's something about it where it's like, is it too much words for you? Like, are you running out of breath? It. <sighs> It's like it's not worded. It's almost like what we, <laughs> it's like what was written down is like, and now that responsibility falls to you. But I don't know if I think Amber may have been like, that's eh, the beat. We got, we got it. We good? Do we need to do another take? I got to do the accent again. I'm not doing the accent again. Can we move on? I'll do one. I'll do it real without the accent. And you got it that way. Maybe that was the case. Um, yeah, when he was saying it's too many words, it's like, I, I I feel like it is, but it's also like maybe she's adding too many words and it's like, well, it was written very clear. It's like, well, now that responsibility falls to you. Now that's, now it's on you. Now this is your job. But like, I couldn't get there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like what Amber's like, I couldn't, I just couldn't get there. That's, that's honestly how and I maybe, feel about it. It's almost like, do you need to say it in a different way are they making you say this we get way? the line read again yeah well she knows what to say it's just she's having to say the entire sentence in like one breath and it's and and, and having to do that but also keep and here's the thing and this is because it's 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 this the way that Zack snyder does his comic book movies where it's like you are not amber heard you're not an actor this is not a superhero this is a you are playing a character you are in this character so i need you to be the character that i've created right you are serving this concept of a story so 
with everything removed, you are playing this regal warrior princess. So you have to say the lines this way because like this is the energy that that character has. And having to say all those words and have that formality that a princess would be uh, educated on and, and have that kind of personality and behavior to say those lines and to like reach the end of it and also like be staring Aquaman down and walking forward and side eyeing and saying, saying that exact line. It's like, damn, she's got a lot to do in a very specific way. Like you have to do it this way. It's different when, you know, Zack Snyder is like, okay, we want Batman to throw a battering like this and have this kind of form. Cause then you can direct like, okay, that's quintessential Batman doing that one little thing or even, and I'm speaking like specifically about him throwing the Batarang to Barry Allen where it's like, it is Ben Affleck. He is in regular kind of Bruce Wayne clothes, but the way he throws a Batarang is like how Batman would look throwing a Batarang. And you can direct that. You can be like, that's Batman. That's not Ben Affleck. You know, it's not Bruce Wayne. Like that's Batman like right there in the, in the story here. It's like, that's Mara. But Amber Heard is like really trying to get there where Zack Snyder is like, I need you to do all these things. I need you to say these lines because you're a queen and you know, you're, you're also a warrior Atlantean. Like you have a lot of strength on you. So she's coming up to Aquaman and being like this, like weird stare down but also having to say all these lines, it's like, damn, you're, you're having to do a lot right now. And it's, it seems stressful. It seems like you're really trying and I'm sorry. You know what else I think is also like the, the tug of war that is happening literally on screen right now. And it's in no fault to anybody's own. It's not even a fault. It's just a, a crutch, not even a crutch. It's just an obstacle that I think, (laughs) Filmmakers need to get past, in particularly when you have Jason Momoa on screen. Mira is trying to be this, like, intimidating royal figure that is supposed to be, like, a prime example of a regal Atlantean, something that we would expect Aquaman to be, and especially in this world. And then you put Amber Heard next to Jason Momoa and you say, okay, scare him. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and it's nothing, it's not a fault. It's not like a, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you need, like you take out your hands, do the camera and like look at who the two people are there. And one of those two people is Jason Momoa. It is so hard to put anybody else next to Jason Momoa and have him be, secondary it's do you know what i mean it's like he's a super leading man both visually and uh narratively that like it, it's it's going to be hard putting two people side by side and saying like okay really tear into him and still have this but also look up <laughs> yeah and like and still have this and still have this human being who we know has been in roles like Cal Drogo and is just in our memory of this rugged wilderness individual. It's, it's, I think it's and, a height thing too. I, I think, cause normally when, when movies yeah. are like, okay, 
you are the dominant person in this scene. And whether the person is, is taller or shorter, they will block the shot in a way to show that the person who is dominating the conversation is higher up. They'll, they'll you know, maybe Jason Momoa is still wounded, so he's on the ground. And so Mara's talking down to him physically, like literally looking down downward. Here, she's yeah. having to stare upwards, but also have her demeanor, which causes her face to look downward, but also her eyes have to look upwards towards Jason. So it's this weird thing going on where you're trying to be the dominant one, but you're also in the camera, you're the shorter one. And also they, they've made it so, and I don't mean any disrespect by it, but this is just what I'm getting from it. And, and, and shit, shoot me if I'm incorrect in thinking this way in storytelling, but you made her the damsel in distress point in this scene and in this, this instance. So after that fact, after the rescue, you know, Princess Peach isn't yelling at Mario to jump back in the tube. You know what I mean? They're going up to the castle. It's like that 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 dynamic didn't work. Um, it's just I don't want to say it didn't work because it does work. It's just really it hard to make believable. Yeah, this is making it hard for me to believe that Mira is. St- still in control yeah i guess of the situation or just has a better grasp of the situation more so than than arthur it almost it Um, almost feels like it's (laughs) and i hate to put this out there because i i don't want i'm i'm tossing it like a a loose note but um don't put it don't put any thought into it but it almost feels like someone else directed this (laughs) scene um because we've seen you know, Zack Snyder is is known for having a lot of powerful women in his stories, and this feels like yes. it's we've seen a lot better from him as far as direction of of a powerful woman uh, uh, taking control of the conversation. We've seen that a lot. We've seen yeah. it in uh, there's so much of it in Dawn of Justice, Sucker Punch, everything. It's all like everything, three hundred. But here it's like who who blocked this shot? Who? I mean, yeah, and especially with someone on screen at this in the same movie as like Connie Nielsen, yeah. where it's like, yeah, you just had, oh boy, you yeah. just had, uh, and so much <laughs> Wonder Woman as well, so much Wonder Woman and all of her sisters. So it's 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 weird coming into this one and be like, listen, the writing is fine, the concept is fine, everything is fine except the the blocking of the two characters, where it feels like they're still in a room that they have to say their lines and then move on. And that's one of the criticisms, criticisms that we had for the 2017 justice league film. So when it's still here, you're kind of looking at it going, something else needed to be changed here. Like genetically, like fundamentally something needed to be done differently. If it were up to me, I would have had Jason Momoa still injured and somehow still, you know, just shorter than Amber Heard. And that way she could talk down to him and we could feel that power. But yeah, it just, it doesn't feel that way, especially uh, the way he kind of saves her in the Zack Snyder Justice League version. And, you know, maybe that should have been done differently um, because it, it works a lot better in the Aquaman movie where she tends to save him a lot more. So it's just a weird scene. And, it's only made worse by the next scene 
which is Cyborg discovering the the glasses that belong to his father and, and realizing that Silas has been kidnapped by the Parademons. And what's so contrast, like what's so different about that scene versus this one that we've just talked about is there's already so much more energy in the way that Zack Snyder directs a scene because of the shots of Cyborg, the way he picks up the glasses, the way how the glasses are the only thing illuminated in the light. So there's incredibly good blocking of the glasses of Cyborg, the room, how it looks where Cyborg is standing in the room, the shot of the window where Cyborg walks up to the window and stares upwards. There's so much of quintessential Zack Snyder in that scene alone in, in, in what, maybe the last 10 seconds of this minute, last 20 seconds of this minute where it's like, wow, this is, this is the good stuff. And then you look back at that scene and it's like, what was that? It was, that felt like what modern blockbuster movies do nowadays, which is like, we need to have an exposition moment. Here's a green screen room and there's going to be nothing for them to, to, to do except stand face to face, say their lines. And then one of them exits stage left. It's like, what is going on here? It's so simple, but it doesn't work in its simplicity. Um, and it almost seems like it's missing something, even though it's, it's teasing everything about the next movie. Um, you also asked, asked me about the way he exits this, uh, minute Nate. And yeah. I looked back at the other version of the movie. And when she says, it's your turn now, he he looks at her, he looks more determined. And he says, I'm going to need something from you. Cut. Cut over to the next scene. That's what happens. Oh, and this one, that's like when he's supposed to get like the armor and the trident. And exactly. Stuff. I got to get, I, Hey, I got to, I gotta take a loan out. (laughs) Can you give me the armor and the trident on consignment? Is that okay? Can I like bring it back in like Um, I don't know, forty eight hours or something? Whatever Home Depot's rental return on layaway thing is. And yeah, uh, yeah, so in in this one, he does the weird Chris Angel mind freak walk into the wave, which is cool. He's still badass Aquaman. I think this is more into the character that Zack Snyder was going for, which I don't mind it at all. Um, and it might even, I don't know, maybe if people are still doing the, the Christian allegory stuff, maybe the, it's a, one of those Christ-like poses that Superman did in Man of Steel. So there's that as well. But yeah, it had me convinced that this scene was also in that 2017 version, and I had to go back and be like, oh, wait, no, it's not. It's not even in there. This is totally new for us. But I don't know why I felt like we've seen it before. So how do you feel about that exit? Uh, Cause let me tell you, I think it's cool. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I think ultimately it's still pretty, it's still it's, Keith Richards. It's still pretty this is underwater Keith Richards. I, I, I don't, I still don't know if it's the Keith Richards of, of superheroes. I, I just, who else? <laughs> who else? But Keith Danzig. Oh my God. Is it Danzig? Danzig? <laughs> I would, t- I'll take Danzig. I will take Danzig. Is he underwater? Glenn Danzig? I will. I will take that. Let's go with that. Can we go okay. with Danzig? Yes, we can go with Danzig. I'll take Danzig for five hundred dollars. Yes, please. Yes, please. Anyways, uh, yeah, I think it's still in that vein of like this is the Aquaman that we saw um, 
there is a kingdom that that kind of music video that happened in the uh, Welsh province that he was coming from in earlier in the minute or earlier in the movie. So I, I do think, yes, it's still keeping with the energy that he had um, where he gets the suit. That's a good question because I, I maybe he has to, he goes back too vocal for it um, because he will appear later in the movie wearing the armor so where you know where where's that scene is that was that something filmed maybe not but um it is weird how in this version of the movie he says he doesn't say anything he doesn't he just kind of huffs and then he uh he, he exits so um yeah i still like it i think it's it's just interesting to see it done differently and um it's probably the only thing that does have a really good energy to the scene because it's him interacting with with a wall of water, like thinking of it as an actor and being like, all right, you know, this is how I feel. I don't have to say anything. Check out my nonverbal acting and boom, I'm gone. I'm going through the, the yeah. rain, you know? So it's it's like, yeah, that looks awesome. Like that's... And you can tell he's just like picturing that in his head exactly as, well, as he's acting. That's where you can get the that. That's where like the visual aspect and the real acting kind of has that perfect blend of even that he's not touching something. Like we were talking about in Man of Steel, where if you touched it, it had to be a physical set piece. Mm-hmm. Um, even at that, I still believe that Aquaman would have this really cool rock star walk-off exit yeah and i mean why the hell else not why not why not really yeah it's the only thing that it's 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 strange but at least it's strange at least it's something to think about and be like oh, that was pretty cool um regardless and uh that's hey at least someone is doing something in the scene to like give it some some oomph to it you know it's yeah and that's just that should go for the entirety of this movie jason momoa acts his gd butt off in this movie and it pays off it really does i think the dude has chops um there's that apple tv show that he's in that i don't get to watch because i don't have an apple tv yeah yeah but like i guess he's like a cool samurai now it started as he was like some weird or like some nordic or something like that now he's like Samurai clad, that yeah. shit looks cool as hell. I remember it? seeing, uh, I didn't get to really enjoy my Apple TV because I, I moved, but when I did have it, uh, I watched like the first episode. This feels like years ago, but it really wasn't. And the fight choreography in that show is, it's pretty gruesome, but it's like, wow, great, awesome. I love it. I didn't think it was going to get a second season, but now I'm hearing all the good things that I wanted for it which is that it is apple tv's like best show that people who subscribe to it are like yeah this shows that's their flagship so good for them good for jason um i'm kind of full on subscription shows and stuff like that now so i oh yeah hopefully i can watch it someday somehow but not right now i think those are nickelback lyrics i think i'm I think we're done here. <laughs> he was trying to think. I you went Nickelback. I thought it was King and I, and I was like, "Wait, is that?" <laughs> I think it was. I think you're right. I think it was Nickelback. Um, 
Anyway. Yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts on the cyborg scene? Let's skip over to that one. I said mine at first, but I don't know if you want to tag along here. Yeah. Um, this is iconic. Um, this is the trailer, one of the trailer shots. Um, I think it's really cool. I do very much enjoy, like, Cyborg being in a in a Batman-esque role. It's like, I feel like I don't get to see, or we didn't get to see much of Cyborg in Gotham City. And, like, a Cyborg as a product of gotham city um so like we really only get you know like him and teen titans or i don't know maybe he lived in detroit or something like that but like it's it's you don't get much of a of a of a dark broody cyborg um and this we do so it's really cool to see how that character uh relates being in a same movie as batman you know the character who we who we pinpoint as being dark and broody, um, and shit. They're in the same city. He learns of the you know creature of 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 Batman, so it's like he's he's in his purview and stuff. Um, so like seeing that in just all of this setting, it is so fitting to mm-hmm. me. Um, and it's just really cool. Cyborg is is a very independent character, very independent individual. So seeing Victor Stone like back at his apartment alone assessing the break-in and in my mind he's doing all types of scans and whatnot going through his mind and, and cool stuff it's just really cool to think about it and then on top of that it's like yeah he's also in Gotham City like Batman should be around doing this same exact thing but it's not. This is a metal guy. This is a cyborg and there's doing this detective. Really beautiful kind of. I want to say cyberpunk aesthetic in this minute here. Um, the shot of him picking up the glasses. There's like this really smokiness to his armor, his metal body, his cybernetics, and you see all this kind of smoky grays and silvers, and the light coming from outside in kind of shadows him but there's like these lights that are on him that are not bright they're just like these dim red lights that are very warm but also very kind of cold in the same way because they're on you can see his body's illuminated underneath with these red lights and there's just like this subtleness to it where it feels like a very powerful engine and it's moving, the visual effects are there, the animation is there for this robot, and you just really enjoy kind of like the inner workings of this robot. There's, like as far as like someone who loves the cyberpunk genre, that there what I'm seeing like the lights under the shadows is it's 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 so good to look at it's so like damn damn that's a really good design i i think it's just something i could stare at for a long time be like look at that look at the detailing of this robot how it moves how it feels like it's a real thing like almost like a really cool i don't know like pc lighting like someone who builds computers and like just looking at those lights that are there it's it's just such a well-designed 
robot in this broken house picking up these glasses. And it's like, that's the genre. That's the aesthetic yeah. right there. Like that's so well crafted and designed that, I mean, it's, it's just there. It's like, there it is. There's cyborg in Gotham being a detective. And it's like, you have a robot detective, like, regardless of it being a superhero movie, like that's a cool concept right there. That's a great shot. Robot detective. Just, you know, the cyborg cyberpunk noir detective thing going on. Like, give me that. Let me see more of that. Cause that, that looks amazing. And that's what got me excited Mm -hmm. for. um, I wasn't too excited about it at first, but the uh, RoboCop reboot and RoboCop in general, I, I am a huge fan of the RoboCop franchise and, Judge Dredd, Dredd, all those, you know, iterations of Judge Dredd. Uh, I love that concept of these tech-modified super cops, soldiers, you know, robots. Like, I, I love that concept. I've always been a huge fan of the idea of, of, of just the cyberpunk genre and, and where people take it. And this is it. This is getting into that that vein because i mean you have cyborg who's a vigilante uh superhero if you will um and we're in this weird era where it's almost feels like the 80s but it's also high tech and modernized and the world is not as good as it could be because we've lost our morals and superman represents that you know metaphorically so it just it has that aesthetic that I that I love to see in that kind of uh, late '80s, early '90s of of media and storytelling. So that that right there with him picking up the sunglasses is also just that's an underrated shot. The other one is like oh, okay, that's iconic. Him staring out the window, but this shot right here, damn, that needs more praise. That's so well done, and that's what I'm talking about. This last twenty seconds having more energy than the first 40 seconds of it where it's like, all right, well, I don't know, Mara and Aquaman doing their thing. It's going to be a lot better in their own movie. And then you come here and it's like, damn, Zack Snyder was having a lot of fun doing this scene. Like, and, and, you know, getting Ray Fisher to be cyborg and it just coming to life so easily. Like, where was, where's this energy? I want to get back to it. So that's all I have for this one, Nate. I don't know if you have anything else for it. (laughs) No, I'm very excited to just get the the shot that is going to start out tomorrow's minute um, of the window mm-hmm. scene. Um, I think it's cool. My last bit of of something that I just want to give you a cool visual cue. <clears throat> There's a broken window that Cyborg goes up to at the very end here, the last frame. And the broken window has like the, uh, the, the sill. It's like, a, I guess, a wood sill. Um, or a wood frame and it's kind of like you know bent out of shape yeah. or whatever it being wood and the building being brick itself there is something about a blown out brick building with wood kind of broken on the window this is frankenstein right here ah. this is frankenstein's monster in the tower like right that's it like i'm not crazy thinking about this this is after like the ransack tower and Frankenstein's monster went back to his home. Their I'll, home. I'll take it's it. Home. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. That's just like the visual cue that I'm seeing. Um, you know, 
it's just it works so well. Um, that's why I really can't wait to get the full picture of it tomorrow in tomorrow's minute. But uh, but yeah, keep in mind we're still yeah we're still talking Mary Shelley here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you, I I I love it. I love it. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So yeah, let's let's end on that note. Let's wrap up for today. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, check us out on all social media at DC EU Minutes and our other DC podcast, June Patrol Radio, that kicks up. Uh, I think it's out today. It, uh, if you're listening to today's episode, Doom Patrol season three started yesterday. So we have a new episode talking about episode one of season three, which you can check out right now. And if you didn't hear before, we are taking a break for DC Cinematic Minute right now. And we're going to focus on Doom Patrol Radio season three. And then when that is all concluded, then we will come back for part four of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So check out Doom Patrol Radio, please. We have a great time recording episodes for it and talking about Doom Patrol it means so much to us. So check those out, and we'll check you guys out when we come back for part four of Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs>